this is Phantom Electric Ghost, and uh, we're talking about a brand new set of songs that we just wrote in the last two days, and uh, we're getting near the end of our full-time Ubering, so we got a full-time job, we're going to be in Portland, Maine for a little while, we're going to work on some songs, but we got a lot of stuff to work on to put Violets out, so songs that we're talking about today are called Linear linear Horizontal Proof and Codependency Jam. And they couldn't be more different songs. They're written on two different days. Uh, I wrote them on like uh, Sunday and Monday of last, well, Sunday last week and Monday this week, which is just before the 4th of July uh, 2019. And I'm driving, so excuse me for the noise, but so we're talking about codependency jam. So Josephine Electric is talking about this kind of codependent relationship she's having with this uh, person, whether it's a female or, or male, that, you know, it's a kind of a, a, a bad scene. Uh, the person's like really got a lot of emotional issues and that's kind of what the codependency is is you kind of got a, a negative relationship with somebody and you're, you're kind of dragging each other down and you've got your own like both your your psychosis between both individuals is actually dragging the, the whole relationship down and it's causing um, pain from you know either mental abuse or physical abuse and it's just not not a function it's like this dysfunctional relationship so this whole idea of this codependence jam is you know we did did this thing with our guitar our rolling guitar to really have a powerful riff that we have this powerful riff that we're going on and it's a kind of a driving power beat kind of like what you know Prince used to do all of like sign at times I can never place, take the place of your man. It's got this kind of power thing going on. But we also got a love for bands like Bob Mode, Grant Howard, and Hush Could Do. We've talked about this before. We're trying to thread the needle between a band like a Hush Could Do and a guy like Prince. And we're trying to bring uh, our electronic, you know, drum beats. And the drum beats on this thing are actually coming from an 80s set on a JDXI. So that's where the kind of Prince vibe it's got kind of a Lynn drum machine vibe because the JDXI has a drum set that's called 80s. And when you listen to it, it sounds very uh, Purple Rain, Sign of Time, but it's just got some of the electronic toms and snares and uh, basses that I think the Lynn LM1 is famous for. It's got the rolling version of that. And so we use that. And we actually, that's an original beat. It's not a sampled beat. It's um, the drum sound from the JDXI runs through an Arturia Beat Step Pro that we created that beat ourselves. It's not sampled. It's not pulled from anything else. It's an original Phantom Electric Ghost beat. And then we did the guitar chord arrangement to have this kind of who's to do kind of power pop punk effect. And then Josephine's kind of wailing. And not only did we do on this song, we actually introduced multiple vocals through the BT4, so we've got Josephine kind of starting it off, we got Stephanie, her sister in there, we got the fandom in there, and um, 
Josephine's talking about her man, and then uh, Phantom's talking about his man, and then Stephanie's talking about her man. So it's like psychosexual, you know, bisexual, um, multisexual affair where, where everybody's talking about this dude. But, you know, also females today, a lot of young women call themselves dudes. So just because somebody says they're a dude doesn't mean that they're actually a male. But in this particular song, we do talk about, you know, being a guy. But when we say dude and we say rooftop dude, rooftop dude is really a woman. And anybody knows me, they kind of figure out who that woman is. I'm not going to get into it. But when I talk about a dude being in love with a dude, everybody should know who that rooftop dude is. You can kind of figure out in my history who that rooftop dude is. I'm not going to get into it, but you can understand somebody really fell in love with real hard and then it, it didn't work. Um, but then we get to the other song, Linear Horizontal Proof. We, we then, again, we're talking about the dude. And then, you know, I just told you who the dude is. So Linear, linear Horizontal Proof is uh, Josephine Electric and this kind of raspy hoarse voice that we like to use sometimes. Uh, we use the actual megaphone feature on the VT4. Um, we didn't use the harmony, which is interesting. We like to use the harmony, but sometimes it makes the, the enunciation that Josephine's doing kind of muddy. So sometimes we don't like to use it. But we did use a megaphone um, and a pitch control to a certain level. Um, we used our studio electronics microphone. And this is a interesting song because what we did is we, we ran our DFAM into a make noise math module and we're learning more about the linear and logarithmic processing within the math and we we're able to significantly change the base we're using like a big bottom base preset from the um, both drummer from another mother because the drummer from mother mother doesn't have preset actual um tones or drum patterns it has little cutouts that you overlay over the device. And then it, we're using the cutout preset called Big Bottom Bass. And then we ran that Big Bottom Bass, and we altered it. We take the bass uh, settings, then we changed the VCO settings, kind of amped it up a little bit. And then we ran it into the mass module. And the mass module, through the logarithmic and uh, exponential processing of the signal, we significantly changed the signal. And then the mass module also can take in multiple signals. So we also have a mother 32 coming into the make noise mass module uh, with a bass tone that adds to the big bottom bass that's already happening. And then we use a, um, and so it has this kind of kind of portamental effect that we're using within the mass module, which it can do this kind of like rolling portamental kind of sliding up and down. So we've got, uh, controlled voltage sequence going through the the, um, the, the DFAM. It's also running through the mass module and it runs through like this portamental so it gets rising and falling rate. It gives this kind of weird feel to the song. It's basically the rhythm section is a bass. There's no drums, it's a bass. And then we're playing a piano kind of uh, like a jazzy chord, like a diminished seventh, uh, playing between diminished sevenths and fifths and uh, some other things that we're playing with, kind of jazz-oriented 
focus on, on the plan that we had certain chords we like to play in a jazz way. So this structure got me kind of trilling because I was a, a clarinet player. So sometimes I like to do uh, the equivalent of a trill with the keys to a really a triplet kind of off the cuff, you know, maybe on a sharp or a flat. You kind of bang it that way, kind of flip through the, the sharp and the, and, and the, and the non-sharp note, non-flat notes, and just kind of do a run, like a three-note run, like what they call a triplet, coming back from my, from my, set, from my clarinet days translating that into the piano and using that as a technique uh, in the way I play the piano. So I try to bring that kind of clarinet technique into it. So that's where that song has got this kind of piano romp going on. Uh, it's a jazzy on top of this kind of rolling ornamental bass that's coming through the mass module. And so it's really using our Euro rack and then using our, you know, just a combination of using analog and using digital. Because the Juno is a digital synth using kind of a old school kind of PCM type of uh, digital, uh, but it's got, I, I, I like the piano. I ran it through an MX-1 performance mixer, through a little bit of a digital delay to give it a little kick. And then, um, you know, we recorded directly to the Zoomar 24. And now we're sending it for some mastering from uh, to Bentley. We're gonna put it out. Whether this goes on uh, violence or not, going to go out as a single, and then I like it a lot. I probably put it on Violet's, but I got to figure out because Violet's is probably going to only have maybe 10 or 15, probably 15 songs, maybe 20. If I can get them to put out 20, I'll do it. I got to see whether, I don't know how many songs Bentley's going to limit for an album format, so I can, I'm going to try to push it. But if I push it, it's going to go from being like an hour to an hour and a half. So I don't, I don't know if I can push it that hard. But I do have so many songs for Violets. But I am seeing the performance of certain songs over other songs. It's kind of making the decision of which songs are going to be on Violets. It's not necessarily the songs that are the most current songs that are going to go on Violets. It's kind of based on what I see on Spotify. I can see some metrics on Spotify and my SoundCloud um, as the reaction to some of these songs. And then based on that reaction, I'm going to select which songs go on Violets. But with a little caveat, if there's a song I really like and it's not kicking and I think it's part of the concept of violence, it's going to go on violence even if it's not kicking. Because in order to make the album have an album feel, that song was part of the whole, whole concept for the album. Like the song Violet Embrace is part of like the whole idea of violence. It's not been kicking as hard as some of my other songs, but it's an integral part of the album. And like a song like Violence is Never Okay. That's a big part of the album. It's actually been doing well. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what, what happens. I don't know. Um, so we've done the best we can with, um, oh, we've we always tried to do better. But like I said, one of the things we're trying to figure out as a tool for the future when we're in this apartment we're kind of leaning to the archive force because it looks like it's a good way to kind of pull together um, your instruments. The score pyramid also looks really good, but what, what, what kind of makes the archive force look good is the fact that it's got this grid-based input method that you can actually play chords and melodies on, and it looks really interesting. And I think I would put a key step with it as well. 
And then if I had Nikai Force, I'd probably get a Roland DO5 to get those D50 sounds. And then the other module I might get, because I like drums a lot, and I'm not going to fight with my JDSI, is, uh, it's probably the Roland um, uh, Boutique 808. Because I think that would be a very interesting thing to bring in. And I'm also going to have my MX-1 mixer and my Zumar 24. My idea is, like, whatever limitations there are in the Akai Force creating songs, I can take the output of the Akai Force and then bring it into a WAV file on my actual my Zoom. So I will actually send the overall project WAV file recorded into the Zoom through the output that would go to the speakers and actually record it and get a WAV file out of it that I can actually build as a song. So I can actually take multiple projects within the Nakai, within, from a Nakai and then put, create them, you know, layer them and create a, a very complicated song. Nakai is very cool, like, if you want to do performance, it looks like a really good performance machine. I've heard in terms of projects, it wasn't, it's not set up necessarily in terms of, like, traditional song writing, more maybe, like, DJ and hip-hop writing. There's one thing I think they needed to think about, like the way the score uh, pyramid is structured to actually build songs, and a new pioneer sequencer can actually build songs. I'm not sure why Akai didn't think to structure it to build songs. Uh, hopefully, they'll have an update that make it more of a song-oriented rather than um, a uh, kind of clip-oriented system. But I think a lot of people can... You know, EDM and trance, a lot of DJs kind of write with clips, but it would be better if it was more like the workflow in Ableton, exactly where you can structure songs. And I've heard that it's not exactly that, and that's kind of frustrating. Cause I think I can get it to do what I want. Uh, based on the way I record, I, I want it to be, to be the central control system. And I've talked to Sweetwater about it, and they do recommend that it would be a very good central control system for modular sense and for other mods for modules. So like I say, I have an OPZ, which I would bring into it, my D5, I've got my Zero Rack with my Moog, DFAM, Mother 32, and Arturia. So I've got a lot of sonic goodness. Because I've got the Arturia and, and the, and the DFAM and the Mother 32, I don't think I need a SEO2. I think that would be redundant. I would, I would also, in, later, have the full keyboards that I want other than a key step. The keyboards I'm looking to um, kind of augment or replace my Juno, which I don't know if I'll ever get replaced by Juno. It's got 1,300 sounds, really good pianos, very good basses, good sense pads. It's a really kind of do-it-all. I mean, the Juno series has been known as a do-it-all, but I am very interested in getting an analog set. Now, the virtual kind of analog synth that we see from the Prophet, um, the Prophets are out there, um, I like the Prophet 10 and the Prophet X, I mean the Prophet 12 and the Prophet X, you got this kind of hybrid thing going on. But I think the big thing I, I talked about before is I think I like um, U, UDO's Super 6, which is not a full analog it's got analog filters, but it's got um, digital oscillators. But it's using the FPGA 
which allows you, I think, like the boutique, like that, like like boutique, and like uh, the um, the system eight and system one rolling. It allows you to digitally um, create the mapping um, of an analog circuit. Instead of a CTO, you can actually map the original analog circuitry into the FGBA, which is like a programmable chipset that allows you to build like old school analog and replicate it, which I think is what Roland does with their boutique. But I don't know if they, if they actually use FPGA and had everybody else there doing something else. But it's the same idea. And the UDO Super 6 it looks amazing, but it's not out. So it's kind of like, you know, virtual wear until we see it. We've seen a super booth, but we haven't actually seen it in the, in the wilderness for real. And I asked the seaweed water if they were going to carry it. They kind of on the fence. If it comes out, that, and it's been popular, they'll probably carry it. So then the other scent that I'm really heavily into, since I can't afford a Moog 1 at like $9,000, is the Moog. Um, um, not the grandmother, but the matriarch, which is a four oscillator semi-modular beast that's paraphonic and it looks amazing. The one thing that's kind of concerning me, though, is this thing is not out, and Sweetwater was supposed to do a full review of it, a full dive into it, and for some reason, they have not done the deep dive. They went and did like a, a mode 3P and they've only done like a 10 minute dive on this machine. It makes me wonder, has Moog told them to hold off because they're doing some kind of update? I don't know that, don't put a rumor out, but I'm not sure why Sweetwater hasn't done a full review. I have not seen anything more than a 10 minute review of this machine. I have not seen the full reviews that we normally would see from Anderson's and Luke uh, Pop and Sweetwater. And I'm like, why? Um, so I'm not sure if they just have had a delay in production or there's an issue. I'm not saying there is, but like why is it had not been fully reviewed? And I don't think it's fully out. But another cool thing that just happened, which I got to do today, is OPZ now has a sampling update in the latest OS. And I am very interested in uh, using the OPZ and like the way I use my um, morphogene. I'd like to see what happens if I take like a sound that I bring into the morphogen and then bring it into the OPC and then see what happens if I create like a unique sound. If you can grab stuff with the, with um, the morphogen sampler from Make Noise and actually operate it like it's like a tone, like it's an oscillator. So I, I was thinking like, what if I take one of those morphogen like uh, genes or splice and then bring it into an OPC? So I've got to do the update. Uh, I got to use my daughter's uh, um, uh, Microsoft Surface to get, update my my OP set. And then I would look at the tutorial. There's a couple of tutorials online, and then I'm gonna try to see if I can play with the sampler and do a song with the OP set sampler, which is supposed to be similar to the OP one. I don't have an OP one, and you know I like an OP one, but the OP one price has gone crazy. And I'd rather see an OP2 than pay what they're charging for an OP1. And I probably would buy a grandmother before I buy an OP1 for the price that they have it right now. And that's still uh, a question. <clears throat> the other thing I think is really interesting, and for the money, is um, the Arturia Microfeed 
which has like West Coast synthesis and um, subtractive synthesis. It can do sine waves. It has a Fuqua style uh, capacitive keyboard, non-movable keyboard. It's kind of touch sensitive and like uh, it's actually finger area sensitive. It allows you to do all kinds of unique playing by putting more of your finger onto the, onto the capacitor keyboard. It allows it to kind of change its volume. And it's paraphonic, but they say it's got a paraphonic polyphony, which is kind of weird, but it actually seems more polyphonic than paraphonic when you use it. And because it's digital oscillators, which have 11 types, um, seems like <clears throat> you could do a lot with the machine. I'm not sure <clears throat> if it has piano, because I would love to use it with a bigger keyboard like a T-step if it's actually got pianos in it, but I wasn't sure. I know it's got wavetables, but no one's really shown me. But I guess the Loop Pop ran through a bunch of um, other patches, and I probably need to watch his, um, his segment to see if there's any piano. I heard organs. I heard synth pads. I heard the basic waves, but I didn't hear any piano, so I'm not sure if it's got piano in it. Um, I got to get a surface so I can use pigments with my key step. Because I'm not bringing my Juno to my hotel, so I need something with a piano, and I can't bring an RD2000 into the freaking thing. Uh, I guess the Go piano would be cool, but that's, I don't really want that. So, what I'm probably going to do, I think I, if I get a D5, I think it's got really good pianos in the D5. So, if I get a D5 with the Arturia T-Step, that'll probably solve my problem. The D5 has some really interesting pianos I can use. Uh, so this is the end of this episode. It's kind of long. We've been talking about a lot of things. But check it out. Become a supporter of the podcast. Our, our, we don't have any of our ad um, um, sponsors on here anymore. Uh, Anchor told us they were going to get us new sponsors, but sometimes they take a while to do it. We do have CIN Pals, which is a new type of social network where you get verified background checks. So check out CIN Pals. Uh, CIMPals.com. They, they're a supporter of our podcast for the last couple of months. They have a way that if you're a foodie or you're in the cosplay or in the comic book, you're in the video games, you want to get together, you can create a group. You can all be verified and know that you have had a criminal background check. So feel confident when you get together physically. The whole purpose of this app is that you could potentially, because you have got people who have been checked out, you can feel better about meeting them in person. So check out GIMPals.com, and we'll talk to you later. I got a cold and a man. You can't take a stand. I got a cold and a man. Burning hair, burning hair. Yeah. I got a cold and a man. Oh, man.
kind of got too far I got cold and it man I do it when I can I do it and I'm a man I gotta do it when I can
Screwed. 